Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the podcast edition. As uh, you probably know by now, McAllister College is on lockdown along with the rest of us. And so we are going to be completing our spring semester shows as podcasts. And today we're excited to have Joe Muntler, the owner of Sturdy Bag Designs, with us. Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. Good to be here. And as we always do, uh, we've got a little velodrome news. Um, not a ton, as you might imagine, since everything has been shut down around the world. Um, but the big news is, of course, that the Olympics have been postponed until 2021. Um, and as I understand it now, all of the people who have qualified for the Olympics so far will still be eligible next year. So um, everybody from the U.S. team who has been selected and uh, qualified for the Olympics will be there in Tokyo when the games are rescheduled next year. And as we get more news uh, from around the world of the track cycling scene, we will definitely keep you apprised of the situation. Uh, but let's get on to the interview with Joe. Joe, before we start talking about sturdy bag designs, I'm curious to know a little bit more about your background in cycling. How did you get involved in cycling first? I've always kind of uh, been fascinated ever since my first 12-inch uh, wheel BMX bike I got for Christmas. Uh, I don't know. I think it must have been seven or eight. Yeah, I had training wheels for about a day. And uh, <laughs> nice. quickly quickly on two wheels with that thing and all around the neighborhood. And uh, so, I mean, all of my life growing up, we had bikes. Uh, Hand-me-downs to my brother. Just always loved getting out of the neighborhood, exploring on them. And then uh, fast forward into my sort of adult years, um, I was living in Vermont in my 20s, and uh, I just sort of uh, became acquainted with the local bike shop and laid eyes upon a bike that I couldn't stop looking at and really wanted to uh, to get into, but uh, it was definitely out of my budget at the time. So uh, after sort of uh, making friends with the owner, getting to know him a little bit better, we worked out a deal where I could pay half down and uh, pay the other half when I could to get into my first real road bike and uh that was that was really incredibly um influential to getting me back into cycling as an adult what was that first bike that first road bike it was a marinoni ciclo road bike it was a wow yeah it was a beautiful bike i still have the frame i'm just waiting to uh get into a position where i can put some good parts back on it because uh, I think I bought it with Shimano 600 and I just used all of those components to death. So <laughs> yeah, it was a, it's a, it's a great bike. It's a great riding steel frame, uh, Zona tubing. I love it. So uh, I can't let that one go. No, that's uh, not only is it a spectacular bike, it's got some, uh, some history with you, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And, and so how did you get involved in, in sewing? What was your, uh, how, did, how did your career develop? Well, uh, sewing's been a part of my life, I mean, my entire life, too. Uh, my mom made our clothes. I mean, she even made our T-shirts growing up. So Wow. I knew, yeah, we had, like, colored collars that matched the sleeve, you know, and, you know trim. So, I mean, it was just, cool. yeah, we didn't really realize how cool it was until we grew up. But uh, very impressive that she was able to do that for us. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of realized that later on. But it was actually my senior year in high school. I took an elective class in sewing. And uh, I wasn't very good, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure I was the only 
male in the class also, which I don't think bothered me at all, but uh, it was it was unique for me to be in that class. Um, but uh, I did some cool projects. I learned how to make boxer shorts and wow, that's great. Yeah, pullover sweatshirts, things like that. So I mean, it was a good introduction to it for sure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I didn't really go near a machine for about ten years. Um, hmm. You know, just kind of moved away from it and slowly got back into it, sort of in my twenties, and uh, just started playing around at home and making cycling caps and hmm. yeah, just sort of teaching myself. That's interesting. And so how did you get inspired to start making those cycling caps? I'm curious about that. Well, I was a uh, messenger at the time in Milwaukee, and uh, so I was definitely in the in the midst of a cycling atmosphere, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody was wearing them. And so I thought, well, you know, here's an opportunity for me to make something. I, was, I remember I would go to, like, Goodwill, and I would get wool flax, which I would use to make caps out of just because, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't smell or, you know, they'd kind of like vent a little bit easier than, mm-hmm. say, cotton. So, um, yeah, I was, I was kind of making them for friends and just kind of learning how to uh, develop my skills a little bit on the machine. That's fantastic. And uh, what was the machine that you were working on initially? Was it a construction grade, so to speak, uh, machine or was it a consumer product? Oh, it was definitely a home machine, and actually okay. I still have it. It was a, uh, it's a new home is the brand, and it was like a 70s, late 70s, early 80s steel home machine, so it was pretty heavy duty for a home machine. Um, and I definitely tested the limits of that machine with, with material <laughs> as, I, as I progressed. Amazing. And yeah. and so uh, let's fast forward a little bit and talk about sturdy bag designs. You uh, uh, you've been around for a couple of years now uh, making products. Talk a little bit about the company and what it is you make. So sturdy is pretty much just me. Uh, I make bike bags for every rider. Um, I offer custom made options for items that I already make in the catalog, uh, as well as fit custom for specific bikes. So. Mm. It's uh, it's a little bit of everything. And and how did the company? How did the the nugget of the company start? Uh well, I was um, working at an upholstery shop at the time. This was around 2014, and uh, I was sort of I was commuting to work, and I was wearing a backpack a lot, and it was just kind of a drag. And this was along the time when bike packing was sort of picking up steam in the in the adventure cycling scene and um there was more on the shelves and stores to look at there was more products to be sort of inspired by and uh i just thought one day you know i'm gonna make a frame bag and just stop commuting with this backpack and just start putting it on my bike and make the riding more fun and actually that was it was a great start so um just started making some frame bags and they were terrible and they're they're just i think i gave them away (laughs) (laughs) And and so, w- uh, what was your initial vision behind the business plan? What was did what? When did you first start to realize that this could actually be a business? Well, I got a first custom order, and it was probably my twelfth or thirteenth bag. So by that point, it was getting a little bit more refined, and I sold it to a friend of mine. That was the first sort of sold sturdy branded bag, and I realized that 
you know, I was getting on to something here and it was, there was some potential to make this something more. Um, and my initial vision was like custom everything. Um, mm-hmm. I was just going to, I wasn't going to have any stock bags. It was just going to all be per person per order. Um, and, uh, <laughs> that was, that was kind of a lofty goal, I think. Yeah. And, and so how was that transition to a full-time business? How did, how did that all t- uh, shake out? Well, I mean, it was, it was kind of messy. Uh, I didn't really, what I, what I thought, you know, would, would be the right way ended up changing as I went. And, um, you know, I was just really kind of unsure about custom or develop a line of bags to sell. So it was just a lot of trial and error for the first, you know, kind of, you know, six months to a year, just sort of establishing a plan mm-hmm. to know about it. And, and as you reflect back on those early days, uh, are you doing what you expected to be doing when you, when you hatched that first idea? Yes and no. I mean, uh, <laughs> if that's a, if that's a good way to say it, um, yeah. there's definitely, uh, been sort of a, a shift. You know, I, I started out thinking all custom orders all the time and then it shifted to develop a product line, uh, gather a, a group of, of dealers that I want to do business with and have them handle, you know, wholesale to retail sales. And, you know, this year is really proving to be another change where, you know, businesses are being greatly affected in this situation we're in right now. Mm-hmm. So um, custom is actually keeping the lights on right now. So it's sort of like it's always an evolution. So I can't really depend on one method to be, the be all end all. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, what are, what have been some of your biggest surprises along the way? And what are some of the things that have been uh, different probably, than what you expected? Yeah, probably just that I can't predict, you know, how things will go. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I never end my day feeling like I cracked the code. You know, there's, there's definitely super high highs and there's really low lows when you're running your own business. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I had no idea how strong I'd need to be to sort of bounce back from some of those lows. And, uh, you know, it's really about, you know, just I'm not alone in this. So I've got a lot of support at home and uh, family and friends and, and customers that really mm-hmm. sort of just keep those, <laughs> keep those surprises, you know, manageable. Yeah. And it's, you know, as you, as you said, you know, every small business has a, a – sort of a collection of supporters and, you know, uh, cheerleaders and important people to it. But yet at the same time, you're still really responsible for every aspect of the business. Um, you know, I'm curious to know how you handle that, you know, and doing the stuff that's not creating product. It's a juggling act. Um, I am learning that, you know, running a, a bag business as, is as much about accounting and marketing and advertising and project management as it is about making great bags. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's a lot of organizational uh, development that, that occurs along the way. Have you found a routine uh, that, that works for you? I mean, have you f- figured out how to carve out time for that non-productive stuff, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've gotten better at it. Um, 
I tend to start my days with email and sort of communication, and then I ease into sort of planning what the upcoming workload is that I'm looking at. And um, usually by around noon or lunchtime, I'm, I'm sort of into a production mode for a couple of hours. Um, just It's just a, a matter of sort of creating those time blocks to sort mm-hmm. of fit in every every individual task. What's been the biggest challenge for you to navigate with respect to that other work? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, staying organized is, is super challenging. Um, doing this you know, as a, as an individual is a, it's a, it's a lot of work. I mean, I, I sort of dreamed it was going to be a lot more manageable than it is at times, but, mm-hmm. uh, but because I love it the way I do, I mean, it, I don't really ever not want to be doing it. It's uh, I'm actually, I got up this early this morning at about seven to, to do some work and I'm going to be working this afternoon. And it's just, you know, it's the difference between, I mean, I love what I do. So, Making extra time for it is, is easy for me. That's great. And, and you talked a little bit about that first frame bag that you made for yourself. Was that your very first product that you sold commercially? No, my first product was actually a tool roll that tucks under your saddle. And, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> that was what I went to stores with initially is all I had was one product. So Wow. And how did you come up with that initial design for the tool roll? Uh, that, basically, I was looking around at what people were doing, and I tried out a, a many different versions of my own interpretation of what I thought would be useful. And, um, boy, I mean, there must be 10 iterations of this tool roll before it got to where it is today. <laughs> so what were some of the things that you changed about it? What were some of the tweaks that you made? Uh, definitely improvements based on feedback. Um, customers let me know what was working, what could be better, and, you know, I, I listened. So uh, I implemented some reflective uh, striping to it, mm-hmm. uh, sort of made tweaks in terms of folds and pocket sizing to accommodate what people wanted to carry. Um, so, I mean, the, the feedback is critical, and, and it really helps evolve these products greatly. How uh, how important is that uh, customer feedback to you? Super important. I mean, I, from day one, I've told people, even on a custom order, you know, that they get delivered to them, it's let me know what's working well, what I can fix, how I could change things, because, I mean, they're the best resource for, for me in terms of information. I can only assume what's going to work well and try things, but I really count on that feedback to uh, to improve. Mm-hmm. And and have you have you been able to find a routine? You know, I'm sort of curious about that market research because you know, on the one hand, you could get all kinds of feedback from people, and it's like, oh, well, this would be great if only you made it this way because I'm the only person who uses it that way. And you know, but then there's stuff that's sort of universal and and seems like it's good. How do you how do you sort through that that feedback that you get and find ways to actually add, add it into the products? Uh, you know, I'm open to it all. I, I'm open to positive and negative. That's kind mm-hmm. of my method is there's no bad news. I mean, there's, and I tell people that there's, you're not going to hurt my feelings. So just mm-hmm. let me know 
everything, you know, good and bad and ugly, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's really the key. So, and people surprise me by showing me different ways they're using my items. So that's kind of even more fun is someone will, you know, just yesterday, somebody, a, a friend of mine threw a tool roll uh, on his top tube right at the sort of elbow at the head tube there and mm. just kind of strapped it around the down tube there. And I thought, that's an awesome place to put that. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I, I never even thought of that. <laughs> so, that is a great idea. Yeah. Because often, often a, a tool roll is hard to secure underneath the saddle, with, you know, through the rails or whatever, depending on how you strap it in there. And, uh, and that's, a great, that's a great place to keep it. Yeah, I was. I'm always impressed when people share those ideas with me because it's just, it's it's thinking that's outside of my mindset, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think about the the bag that you made for me recently, which I love, by the way. And I think about the the closure mechanism that you that you used, you know, switching to that Velcro strap as opposed to the um, the Easy Clips. Uh, that you had been using on your on your seat bags, and I'm curious to know what uh, what prompted that change. Uh, you know, just kind of looking around at, at what others are doing, sort of trying to find a way to neaten the look and appearance and you know function of of what you're using. So um, all those attributes sort of go into design and and how I like to see things being used and how I imagine people want to use them. So, mm-hmm. and, and that leads me to a, another question I wanted to ask too, is how do you compare your bags to others in the market? What makes you different? I mean, other than, you know, obviously making a lot of custom stuff, what makes your, what makes your product line different or unique from others that are out there? Cause there are a ton of bags. Oh, there really are. I mean, I'm in a sea of, 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 of work and creation, and um, I really think that the quality of construction and the materials I'm using are, are kind of standouts right now. Um, my background in upholstery is, it certainly doesn't hurt because I have sort of this different skill set that's relative but separate that I apply to these bags, and it just it gives them a more finished uh, look, and as a result, I just they do seem to kind of stand out appearance-wise in that way, too. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how important are those materials and the vendors you use uh, to, to keeping that distinction? Uh, very important. Um, I'm always looking for, you know, new materials. Uh, they're coming out every week. I mean, there's, there's always the latest and greatest tech with fabric, it seems, especially now more than ever. Um, but I'm also trying to... Uh, source them as close to home as I can because that's also important. So I, I usually do um, source my materials either from Minnesota or North Carolina. So I try to really keep them um, domestically sourced, which is important. Yeah. How, uh, how do you find those vendors? You know, sometimes I find them and sometimes they find me through social media. Um, mm-hmm. Google, you know, has all the information. Uh, I get a lot of people reaching out to me, makers and customers alike, looking for materials that I use. And I just, I tell them, you know, it, it, Google Google knows. I mean, that's how I find <laughs> a lot of my information. 
it's really that simple, you know. There's, there's, we have so much information at our fingertips, and uh, I spend a good amount of my time researching. Um, so that's that's how I kind of get to my sources. And and have those vendors given you insights or ideas about ways you can uh, create new products? I mean, have you have, have you found them to be helpful? Absolutely, yeah. I I formed relationships with a few. Um, component and fabric uh, vendors that have proven to be wonderful for me. I mean, I can guarantee quicker turnaround times. I can custom print materials. So it's just the the door is kind of blown off uh, just going to the store and getting a, a blue color fabric now for me. It's, it's just kind of opening up into all these new possibilities with these relationships that I'm, I'm making with other other businesses. Has, has that handmade in the U.S. Uh, kind of nature of your business helped uh, draw new customers? Are you finding people respond to that message too from a marketing perspective? I think so. I think there's a, a lot of people out there that want to support, you know, small businesses and, you know, made in the USA. Um, and actually my, my latest dealer in Japan was just thrilled to be carrying products made in the USA. I mean, they're just really love the quality aspect and the the fact that they're made by one person. Um, there's just an individual quality to that that mm-hmm. is, is really a big draw for a lot of people. That's that's really interesting that the, the Japanese market would respond to that USA uh, manufacturing idea. I, I thought so too. I was very, I was pleasantly surprised and we've got a great relationship and I mean, they're just so kind, and uh, I appreciate their support so much. That's fantastic. What uh, what is the product line look like today? What all do you do you make? So it's a far cry from the tool roll that I released into the wild years ago. <laughs> um, you know, through listening to customers and dealers communicate with me about demands this line has really been built out. Um, you know, now it's stretching from the front of the bike with a bar bag all the way back to the saddle with a seat pack and sort of everywhere in between. So it's, it's always growing, um, when time permits and when demand sort of dictates, Oh, people want this bag. It's, I guess maybe it's time to start, uh, learning how to make this one. So, so do you have any new product lines in mind? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm working a little bit more this season with some bikepacking-centric uh, additions to the line. Mm. Um, working more on like a roll-top bag for, say, the handlebar work. Um, just sort of filling out those spaces for, for people that are taking those, you know, overnight trips or, you know, weekend trips, um, just kind of giving them more more sturdy bags to sort of get their gear into. Yeah. I, I'm curious that that roll top bag for the handlebar seems like a genius idea for a bike packer. I mean, having the ability to open and close it, but keep it uh, dry seems like a great idea. Yeah. And that's nothing new. I mean, that's been around other, other people have been, have been making those. It's just uh, for me, it's, it's a challenge to, continuously put new products out there um, I sort of have to be aware of my bandwidth and 
my ability to facilitate, you know, taking on more and more patterns and, and projects without, mm-hmm. you know, going, going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what is your most popular product today? Uh, you know, it's hard to say exactly. Uh, I would say online, it seems to be bar bags, uh, top tube bags and seed packs. Um, in stores, I mean, it's kind of all over the place. I think it's a little bit dictated by shop owners and sort of their markets, mm-hmm. what they're, how they're sort of responding to their customers. So um, it's, it's really kind of a, sp- a splattering in a way of, of everything, which is kind of a, a great result. Yeah. You, uh, you're basically making everything to order at this point, right? Is that a fair, uh, a fair understanding of how you're operating right now? You know, I was early on. Um, I was trying to do that from a standpoint of using my materials as, as they needed to be used. Um, but as I've taken on more uh, bike shops as dealers, I've learned that I've got to get ahead when I can in terms mm-hmm. of stock. So my behavior has changed over the last few years uh, and, and now I'm more of a build it when I can and fulfill orders more, you know, more quickly that way too. So it's, mm-hmm. it's more beneficial for me not to, to sit and wait than to, to just keep going. Well, how do you manage to make time doing that for custom orders? How, how do you mix in custom orders with that process? Well, that's something I had to learn over time, too. Um, My method now is I basically push custom orders out in terms of turnaround time. So I give my custom orders a window of four to six weeks. And by doing that, I give myself some wiggle room if dealers need to put in orders in that interim. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of prioritizing dealers and their demand and still fulfilling custom orders on time as long as they're, you know, spaced out and, and willing to accommodate that wait time, which, you know, they are. I haven't had any anyone turn away because of it. So mm-hmm. unfortunate so th- in that respect. Yeah. When you when you think about something like a, uh, a seat pack, what uh, how long does it take you to make a, a small seat pack? What's the prob- length of time for each individual item? Well, I mean... My goal with a lot of these items is, you know, about a half an hour. So from start to finish, mm-hmm. it's not always doable. I mean, there's always unforeseeable circumstances that come in the in the process. Um, but that's sort of my, like, benchmark is I like to try to build everything in that sort of fashion. So um, that being said, I, I kind of also gotten away from just doing one at a time. So if I get an order for, you know, one or two bags, I'll likely end up making three or four just mm. so I'm sort of set up going forward for the next the next order. Do you do, I'm just imagining that you probably, you know, sort of make the components, the common components together at the same time, cut the sides of the bag, for example, um, and then do this, the actual assembly uh, afterwards once you have all the materials cut. Is that, am I understanding that great, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's not how I started. I was, <laughs> I, was not very, I was not very organized when I started doing this, but now I've realized that, yes, cut 
cut and shape everything, and then it becomes more of an assembly process, and it becomes a lot more efficient. So mm-hmm. definitely a learning curve to that skill. Uh, so is it different when you make a custom bag, or do you still have some of that assembly line process? It's a little different. Um, a lot of the custom work that I'm doing uh, is, is a little bit more unique fabrics. Some of them are special order from my vendors, um, so it adds a little bit more time to getting materials to me. Um, and I do kind of treat, I mean, they are sort of by default treated a little differently because they are so unique in, in a lot of cases. So um, I'll try to give myself a little bit more time and go a little slower just to sort of, uh, you know, ensure everything's getting done because they're not so cookie cutter as some mm-hmm. of the bags are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think about the, the bag you made for me with that, that three-inch patch that I have, and that was a little bit bigger than the, uh, than the normal seat bag that you, that you make. And so, you know, it made me think, well, how do you, what's the process that you use with a custom order in terms of working with the client on what they want and how it's going to come together? Well, exactly. That was, that was kind of fun because that was, if I recall, that was basically yeah, a matter of me taking my existing pattern and, and basically scaling it up about a half inch or three quarters of an inch all around just to accommodate that patch. Um, and that's something I'm, w- I'm willing to do in a lot of cases um, just because I think that's what, you know, is really the idea of custom products is, you know, listening to, you know, what you're after and sort of um, reaching that goal, you know, as best I can. And um, I just try to, you know, get those answers to you, not before you ask them, but I try to be upfront with as much of that information as I can to sort of limit the back and forth and keep the process moving forward smoothly. What, uh, what kinds of requests do you get for customization? Oh gosh. I mean, they're all over. Um, some of them I have to refuse because they're just kind of outside of the box. I mean, Hmm. this week I got a request for an iPad sleeve and, you know, it's just sort of everything and anything can kind of come your way when you're, announcing this sort of customization and I just have to do I have to do my diligence to say well you know I kind of have to sort of limit it to things I already make or are closely related to things I already make just to sort of uh, I'm a one-person shop so if I start getting too you know wild with uh, ideas then I really sort of lose time and take away from all the other demands (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that uh, you get everything under the sun and, you know, in order to be functional and, you know, efficient with your process, you got to focus your attention, I got I believe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> is there uh is there one uh or are there some custom orders that you're particularly proud of either the design that you created or the way that it came together or whatever? Oh, I mean, I I'm proud of all of them. I mean, they're all I feel like I learn something new in every bag I make, and even if it's one I've made 50 times, but especially the the custom orders. I mean, they're so unique, whether it's color or just uh, little add-ons that you know people might ask for, and I'll accommodate. You know, oh, have you ever put this you know retention strap here? What do you think about this? And um, I, I love when, when people bring their own ideas to the, to the table and I can accommodate them. 
it's uh, it, it's impressive to think. You know, I'm I'm not sophisticated enough to be able to think about well, if, you know, on the bike, here's how it could be better or improved or whatever. I mean, I just don't think that way. And so, it's impressive to me that people have awareness of you know those kinds of logistics and can give you feedback that's that that's that detailed. Do you find that a lot? I mean, do people you know have the ability to sort of see that stuff spatially and recognize it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, one of the latest uh, custom bags I made was was for a, um, uh, a a gentleman who basically has a degree in, in drawing, and so I mean, he he was just thrilled to to make his own template, and he really did an awesome job with it. Wow! And the, the, the detail he put into it was just so thoughtful, and and I don't expect that you know from everybody, and even if I get a very basic blank template, I, you know, it's just kind of leaves some opportunity for me to create some things and mm-hmm. and you know people always sort of impress me with their willingness to sort of hand over some control about creative you know design um, a lot of times custom orders will come with a specific set of requests but then there'll be sort of a caveat at the end that says but if you're inspired to do something go for it so wow that, uh, yeah, that that is just a really um, an awesome reward to to doing what I do. That's that's really impressive. You know, when I when I first thought of uh, you know custom quote unquote, I, my you know image of that was use a different material or you know change the pattern a little bit or or something like that. But you know, then my, my it's you first sort of opened my eyes when you made that bag for me when you said, oh well, I'll just make it a little bit bigger and we can accommodate that. And I thought, oh. Well, that's going ab- well above what I would expect from, you know, you think about, like, custom, uh, you can order custom vans, right? And they've, But they've got a very limited range of options that you can choose from. And, you know, so it's interesting to hear that you will actually almost start from scratch with a custom order. Yeah, and I, I think I learned that from my time in the upholstery business. I was basically doing contract sewing for, you know, anyone that walked in the door. So... It was related to boats and cars and furniture, and it was basically sometimes we would just get a frame to work with and say, this is what it might have looked like, but let's make it look like this. So wow, uh, that experience really opened my eyes to the possibilities that you could, you could create with. Hmm. That's really impressive. I mean, to think about your ability to build from from scratch like that and build from the ground up with with nothing but a waving of hands, so to speak, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> do you oh, do you? I mean, you talked a little bit about bike bike packers and some of the things that you're trying to make for for them specifically. Do you have other types of riders that are your customers, and are they attracted to different things? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every everyone is basically a customer because the, the, the product line offers itself to, you know, the um, once a week rider to the weekend warrior to the amateur racer. Um, My customers are sort of all over the board. Um, And I think that's because I've created these bags that sort of are um, accessible you know, for any use, really, that you sort of find for them. So, um, I mean, just yesterday, I, I witnessed a new bike day owner, you know, she overchose a feed bag of mine 
in lieu of a lock hmm. uh, because uh, the, the color struck her and the usability of putting it on her stem and handlebar and having access to, you know, her phone or wallet right there or, or a beverage, you know, just mm-hmm. to have the water right there. Um, you know, she was thrilled. And then I mentioned that it was, you know, made down the road a few miles and, and she loved that about it too. So there's just, it, it, there's a lot of different um, ways that people are sort of drawn to this this brand and it's really kind of everybody. Yeah. And I think about too, the, uh, uh, the bar bag that you created for it's, you know, obviously has benefit to commuters that you offer that shoulder strap so you can wear it like a shoulder bag. Right. Yeah. And and that was, uh, you know, that was something that was on the market uh, and it was something that I'd seen before I had made it and thought, well, that's a great idea. You know, I think at the time, the company was was charging eight dollars for the strap in addition to the bag, and I just said, you know, I made the decision that that strap didn't cost that much to produce, so I just built it into the price of the bag. Mm. And most people, you know, love that that added feature. Um, I, I've had one or two custom orders for it that just said, you don't need to include the strap. I have my own shoulder strap. I can reuse for that, and, and that's that's great. You know. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, you know, you, you you mentioned earlier that you have started uh, working with some retailers around the world, um, and up until the sort of world fell apart, were you trying to make more inroads into retail? Was that was that a push that you were hoping to make more of? Uh, yes, but in a in a manageable way. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to grow this business at a rate that's that's not, you know, 100% overnight. So um, I want to keep, uh, I want to keep being able to do what I do. Um, I would love to think about bringing help on at some point, but mm-hmm. I think before that happens, it's a matter of uh, getting out of my home uh, <laughs> and actually having a, a manufacturing space to be in, I think would help facilitate future growth. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm building it on a level that's manageable uh, in terms of stress and, and output. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, getting out to shops around the world is critical. I mean, I, I, I think initially I thought I could do this without that sort of model, but uh, it's, it's taught me by doing so and adopting dealers that they're hugely helpful in just in getting product out there and telling my story mm-hmm. and then promoting the products. How, uh, how have, has your products changed? How have your products changed uh, given the work with retailers? Uh, well, you know, they've provided ideas for me to help evolve. So I think the, the, the mini bar bag that I, uh, made later on in the process of having just two sizes of the bar bag. Um, you know, it was sort of brought to my attention from a few shops that, you know, they don't need to be the size they are. You could even go a little bit smaller and it'd still be just as useful. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to me when I get feedback about making things smaller. I'm always thinking, is that counter, you know, productive in terms of space and usefulness? But right. 
but it's it's not. Uh, usually, it's kind of dictated by what people are interested in, what the market's producing, and mm-hmm. and what what people are, are are buying. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly no universal way that people interact with their bike. Obviously, so, so people are going to have different needs for different types of riding for sure. Mm-hmm. What uh, what inspires you to uh, to keep the business rolling? I mean, you know, there's obviously stresses that go along with this. Like, what's what is the motivation that keeps you keeps you rolling? Uh, you know, I really get a lot out of working with customers, and whether it's dealers or individuals. Um, when I hear people report back to me or send me an email that just says. This is exactly as advertised and, and even better. You know, I'm so happy with this this product. Those are the real motivators for me. I mean, I, I love doing this, but just knowing that what I'm doing holds that value to people, mm-hmm. um, that makes it totally worth, you know, every minute of, of stress and, and late nights and <laughs> all the little a little setbacks you might call them of, of making this work. You know, it is yep. a lot, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm working, you know, a lot harder than I was when I was punching the clock, but it's it's just a different type of reward, absolutely different type. When uh, when you think about the business five or ten years down the road, what uh, what is what's your vision for that time frame? Well, I'm focusing right now on creating to grow what I've got um, in a, in a manageable way. Moving out of my home would, would be huge. Um, that is, I, I'm, I feel like I'm getting closer to that, you know, daily, if not monthly. But Great. I'm, still, I'm still apprehensive about, you know, taking that leap mm-hmm. uh, into that level. Um, you know, then you're talking about a whole other level of overhead and, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, bills. And so it. Yep. There's definitely benefits to working from home right now, um, and there's definitely some ben- you know tax benefits too. But um, it does get a little you know old when you're walking around with fabric or uh, thread stringers in every hallway. And <laughs> there's a there's a lot of cleanup involved just to remind yourself that this is your home too. <laughs> it's like having having a, a dog that sheds everywhere, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, so what does success look like for you for for sturdy bag designs? What uh, what do you feel like is a successful long term outcome for you? Well, for me, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm working toward making this sustainable. Um, I get a lot of uh, other makers reach out to me who who want to take this leap to go full time, and they still have you know steady jobs with good pay, and they're just they they ask me like, when did you know? it was safe to do this. And, uh, you know, I didn't know, and I don't know. Mm. I mean, you just, you kind of have to try it and, um, and, and not be afraid to fail because you're going to, you're kind of going to keep failing and learning and you just have to, you know, get past failure as something as a reason to stop, you know? Mm. Um, but sustainability for me and my family is, is, is my, idea of success. I mean, I, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm paying bills and I'm, I'm investing into the business, but I'm not saving. And, uh, you know, I'd like to be earning a little bit more than I am, but, uh, I want to grow this in a, in a way that it's, I, I'm not looking to 
you know, outsource to a factory. I'd like to keep it made in the USA. I'd like to hire an employee or two in the near future and, you know, kind of just keep this model growing at a mm-hmm. steady way. Slow and steady, kind of. Yep. So has your relationship with your own bike changed uh, as the business has grown? Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> my first year of business, I really didn't ride. Um, I was so busy uh, just sort of stressing over how I could do things better, how I could build this brand faster. And uh, I think I probably gained 15 or 20 pounds the first year. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just from stress and just from the lack of, of riding and just getting out. And the second year, I really took a lot from that. And I got back on the bike and I started to ride every morning during the week. Um, and it really changed uh, everything. I mean, just just giving myself that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would flush out ideas on those rides. I would think about my plan for the day on those rides. And then by the time I got home, showered and had breakfast, I felt like I, you know, already had that morning meeting. So I was sort of ready to go. Yeah. Are you still able to get out every day? Not every day, but uh, I do my best. I mean, whenever I can and whenever the weather's not, you know, pouring and cold, uh, we're we're getting into a good time of year where it's going to become more frequent. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really excited about that. Um, so, I, and I just I do realize it's just so important, I mean, for, for mental health and for physical health. Absolutely. What, uh, what's your preferred style of ride? What, what kind of riding do you like to do? You know, it changes. Um, I think last year I did a lot of road riding in the morning just because I wanted to go fast and to go far. And I felt like the trails around Minnesota were really wet last summer. So you really didn't get a lot of time, you know, on the trails. So I sort of just said, well, I'm going to make the best of the roads. And um, I had some sketchy scenarios play out where, you know, I had people run stoplights and nearly, nearly hit me. And I, I had a lot of, yeah, I had a lot of scary mornings where people were driving to work and not paying attention. And it, reminded me just how dangerous road riding can really be versus Mm -hmm. getting into the woods. Um, So I'm hoping that this year I can sort of shift more into trail riding a little bit more in the mornings. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 10 minutes from um, uh, so many places. I mean, Lebanon Hills is probably 10 minutes from my house and I'm probably 15 minutes from Murphy, Hanrahan. So it's easy for me you could probably even ride down to the river bottoms. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm about three miles from the river bottoms, my house. Nice. So it's easy to, to get down there. So, yeah, yeah. It, that's going to be important this year for sure. What uh, What's your bike fleet look like? What, uh, what bikes are you riding now? Uh, you know, it's really narrowed down since, uh, the, since the business started. I I think I started the business with, like, six bikes and now I'm down to three. So I, wow. I basically I basically have a road bike and I have a mountain bike and then I sort of have a camping kind of exploring uh, trail bike. So it's 
little bit of a few different disciplines that I can all, you know, apply all my my bags to and mm-hmm. still, you know, enjoy an array of cycling. Yeah. What, uh, what's different but, uh, about your um, adventure bike versus your mountain bike? Uh, suspension, mainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, mount, the, the, the single track bike has, you know, a fork on it and uh, a little smaller tires, you know, a little bit more agile where the, the sort of adventure bike is sort of just a, a heavy steel bike suited with racks and ready to kind of load up and go. Cool. Cool. Do you have any big rides planned for this year? Do you gonna plan to go anyplace? I don't really, as of yet. Uh, one of my goals this year for riding is to do some more overnight trips, uh, hmm. as many as I can kind of get in, just because I, I really am new to bikepacking as, as an activity, personally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think if I'm going to be able to do this work, which is, very demanding and still get out. I might have to limit those trips to overnights, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you have a, a bucket list uh, for rides? So, I mean, what, where would you love to ride if you had the chance? You know, if I had the chance and the time, I would love to ride from Minneapolis up to, you know, the North shore, just, you know, maybe give myself like a week or 10 days and just cruise and take my time and really just go all the way up to, the border and uh, and back. I think that would just be an awesome ride. That would be a lot of fun. I've known a few people who've done that, and they said it's especially the closer you get to the lake, the the more beautiful it becomes. Absolutely, I'm sure. Uh, Joe, this has been a fantastic conversation. Before I let you go, I want to fi- I want to make sure we tell people uh, how to connect with with you and the company. How do where do we send people to learn more about Sturdy Bag Designs? Sure. Uh, the website is uh, sturdybagdesigns.com, and uh, Instagram is sturdybags underscore designs. Um, Instagram is a great resource for figuring out what I've done and kind of custom options that are out there. Uh, and the website has just a little bit more information if you're a, a dealer who may be interested or just sort of want to get a look at every stock option that's available fantastic well we'll make sure to put uh put the information out on the links out on our social media and uh we'll get the uh we'll get people sent your way uh thanks a lot jason yeah joe this has been really fun i really appreciate you taking the time to to chat and uh can't wait to see more of your bag designs out in the world thanks a lot great talking to you this morning